0: Hey Tim, how's it going? Hey David, it's going, uh, it's going fantastic, man. You know, I uh, I have two more night shifts to go, and then I'm on vacation for I don't know three weeks or something like that. So uh, what are you going to yeah, do? I'm... Where are you going? Uh, I might go in the basement and work out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You should buy uh, like a Hawaiian
1: <laughs> backdrop or something. Like I big, should, yeah, uh, that's a mural. great
0: idea. Do a photo yeah, shoot. Do... Yeah, maybe for the next episodes, I'll, I'll try to put up a green screen with some Hawaiian background or something. Yeah. Like that.
1: Oh, I never did. I should have done like an episode from the beach or something while I was traveling. Oh, that would have been good. Should have. But yeah, we talked no, about definitely. it enough. Yeah. So today I wanted to talk about parenting and I don't exactly know where I'll go with this, but I want to get your opinion as a parent as well, because I'm not one. And that's kind of the fundamental issue I have when I try and talk to people about it, not that I try and talk to many people about parenting, but there's this really intrinsic, there's seems to be a lot of intrinsicism in parenting that just because someone's a parent, that automatically makes them more knowledgeable about parenting than someone else, right? So uh-huh. I'm not a parent. But I've studied psychology a rel like a, a decent amount. And I know my own psychology, I've introspected a lot about how I would have parented myself, and you can read about best practices, but there's this dismissiveness, well, you, you've not done it, and it almost right. as if, well, there's two aspects of it. One, there's some people who think just the fact of having a kid makes them more knowledgeable, because, which is just bogus because there's a lot of messed up kids. There's a lot of really bad parents, right? Um, and even if they think their kid's not messed up, odds are the kid is messed up even if the parent thinks they did a pretty good job. But then there's also, you know, this idea they learn from experience, right? So you have to kind of figure it out as you go. That's again, sort of more of a pragmatist or an empiricist viewpoint as well, as if there's not principles of parenting, that you can't yeah. like understand best practices of parenting. And I think that's, you know, widely applicable to the the bad state of psychology generally as a field. And like, we don't really, The average person doesn't really think there are principles to be understood and followed, Um, at least not not objective principles, right? Oh, you follow this, you know, you're a Buddhist, you know, I'm a this, you're a that. But so what are your thoughts generally and as a parent, you know, me being a 27-year-old, you know, know know-it-all who thinks, you know what? I probably could give really good parenting advice to lots of parents, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 totally agree with you. You know, uh, to me, it's um, so. First of all, parenting is is kind of a really important job, right? It, it is mm-hmm. like um, it's a you're taking on a custodial duty. You know, my my personal view of parenting is this: is that uh, you know, and I've argued, I've debated uh, Mr. Libertarian Walter Block, who's a econ- economics professor who has done a lot of writing, and he's a very well-respected libertarian figure, uh, um, converted from socialism to objectivism, by the way, by Ayn Rand herself. Um, and he, I think I did fairly well in the debate. You know, we were arguing basically about spanking, whether spanking is, uh, libertarian, violates the non-aggression principle or not. Right. And my argument is that children own them are, are own themselves, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's not a point at which self-ownership kicks in, but they are they are um people that lack capacity and so therefore require a custodian. Similar to mm-hmm. let's say a hypoglycemic patient that I come across as a paramedic, they lack capacity in that moment. My job is to try to deliver them to a future self where they have full capacity so that right. I no longer have to be a custodian yeah. to me it 's the same with children and so right. that that hypoglycemic patient i wouldn 't punch them in the face i wouldn't do all <laughs> sorts of things to them right to try to get my way there there's things i i I can do that would help that person achieve um, uh, capacity, and things that would diminish their ability to achieve capacity or harm them in Mm. some way. And parenting is is the same way. And so you can think about these things ahead of time. And so an analogy might be, you know, I start work as a car mechanic, but I have absolutely no knowledge about how a car works or anything. So let's say I just open up my own car mechanic shop. And (laughs) I I have no idea what I'm doing. I I don't even know if cars are fixed or not. I just kind of, tinker away at things Mm. and you know i i could you know there's nothing saying i'm ever going to fix a thing so my experience as a car mechanic i I really have none just because i'm trying to fix cars all day doesn't mean i'm a good car mechanic meanwhile someone who's studied this who's never touched a car yet but has studied the principles of it understands how an engine works understands the basic principles of things Mm. uh that person i would trust to (laughs) <laughs> to look after my car um and fix it more than I would someone who has no experience but has been tinkering in the garage without any clue for years right so so <clears throat> that's not to say that experience doesn't provide some value and flesh some things out but unless you have the knowledge about the right. principles underlining that job or, or another example would be if I'm a custodian of a a large uh, of your finances or something like that um you know, I, I I would trust the person who has studied finance, who has thought deeply about it, who has a theory of finance and and principles of finance. I would trust that person with my to be the custodian of my uh, of my finances more than I would uh, someone who's been doing it maybe for years but has no clue what they're doing and has you know squandered things. So I, I think parenting is the same way. If that it's, makes any sense?
1: No, it actually makes a lot of sense to me and. I really like that you brought in the mechanic analogy because it's something I've thought about a fair amount as well. And already this episode, I've thrown out, you know, empiricism and intrinsicism and pragmatism. And then there's also subjectivism, right? All, and people think, well, I know how to parent my kids or, you know, what's good for my parent. What's good for my kids isn't what's good for your kids. And this brings it to the analogy, like I've used this analogy before about psychology and philosophy generally, right? And there's this false alternative between, you know, either someone studies, you know, for five years and just knows what's good. That's kind of the rationalist view that like they don't have to test it. They don't have to see if their theories work at all. But as long yeah. as the theories are logically connected, it has to be true versus someone who just kind of tests as they go and just figures it out and assumes if it works, it's good, which is more the empiricist. But really, you have to have both. And so the analogy, as I've been, you know, diving more into philosophy and psychology, I've brought up the analogy of someone who people think they know the answers because they live their life, right? People think they must know what, you know, what's best in politics or morality or in psychology because they live their life. And it's what I've brought up to people is just because you drive a car doesn't mean you know how it works. And if, if someone's an expert on cars and tells you, oh, yeah, you should, you know, maintain the motor in this way, you need to change your tires, you listen to someone who's studied it more. But just because you have some interaction with it doesn't mean you know what the hell you're doing. And, it's, and I, so I think parenting is kind of a, a very concretized version of this fundamental issue because it's basically what principles do you teach your kid? right and when i right. debate people or when i have debated people about subjective morality the 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 thing that made it clear to me that it's just wrong when i first started thinking about this is i'm going to try and teach my kid the best way possible right so there you have to try and train your kid in some manner or other and so it's yes. really it concretizes this whole issue of philosophy and psychology in a manner that no, there are principles. You have to think about it to some degree or else how mm-hmm. do you know what to share with people?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the reason this is such probably a, a touchy subject for a lot of parents is because they don't want to be judged, right? they, right. they uh, And right. when they say, well, you, you, until you're a parent, you don't know what it's like. And in that, they're, they're thinking, okay, this guy's mm-hmm. judging me for being a bad parent. He's never been in my shoes. Um, and... and
1: if yeah. there's no standard, then they can't be judged. Right. So that's why they right. like the idea that there is yes. no standard because then there is nothing to judge them against.
0: Yeah. And and the worst parents, um, want to keep that lie going, right. That there mm. is no standard that, that, you know, I did the best I could that I couldn't have done any better right. that, um, you know, because that, that keeps their child, um, I guess attached to them because if the child starts judging them, especially as they start growing up that, Hey, maybe you weren't such a good parent. Um, and and so this has many layers of psychology into it because first of all, right. If, if they have to, if you're a parent now, uh, and you have to admit that there should be some standards to your parenting and that you can do better, then you also have to face the fact that your parents could have done better. Yeah. that's And and that's a difficult thing, right?
1: Because that's really tough.
0: Yeah. And because parenting becomes essentially like one giant Stockholm syndrome, like people that are are badly abused have still have attachment and fondness for their parent. And, you know, you know, I'm a big believer that we are doomed to repeat the patterns of our that that are ingrained in us from childhood that the the irrational responses we have in the world because of the trauma you know, however slight we experienced as a childhood until we address that and acknowledge that it was huh. wrong, we are doomed to repeat the same patterns that we've always been repeating. And so I think we've talked before about how, uh, you know, drug abuse, for example, like heroin addiction mm. is usually the result of bad, uh, of severe childhood trauma, particularly maternal attachment issues. Yeah. And so um, if you don't, if you have a negligent mother, uh, you know, and you take heroin for the first time, you are uh, getting that mother's love for the first time. Sorry, my dog has been bugging me here for the last ten minutes, pump, pumping yeah, on no my worries. leg because he wants to go pee. So, daughter just took him pee. Nice. Um, but <laughs> so so uh, you know so so now in order for that heroin addict maybe to kick his heroin addiction, he has to understand what the root of it is, and it, it's rooted yeah. back in that adverse childhood experience. He has to acknowledge that his mom was wrong. His mom was did some harm to him unless you can acknowledge that you can't improve, you can't, you know, you, you yeah. can't have free will almost because you're just an automaton replaying your childhood programming. That's true of all of us. And, and unless we can acknowledge that and see, and, and in order to acknowledge that there's something wrong, you have to have a standard for right and wrong. And you have to be able to compare uh, what happened to that standard and see if it fell short or not and, and make sure that you don't do that
1: yeah it's interesting. I obviously agree that there is a standard of right and wrong. I don't know I've not thought about this. I'm just riffing. If you have to have a standard to start addressing I mean, I guess you have to have a standard to some degree like there are some things that are kind of blatantly wrong without you knowing exactly what the standard is but actually this this is quite like expanding my mind or blowing my mind a little bit the connection of why it's so difficult for a parent to admit there is a standard because they are still that child who thinks, no, their parents were good. They must've been good, right? They must've cared. And I mean, I've recommended before, I think the drama of the gifted child, which Mm. is, you know, it's implying every child is gifted and it's really focused on everyone has unmet needs as children. Everyone has trauma as a child. And until you address that, you will perpetuate this cycle. And it says how, because of the dynamic, the, way in which you get finally satisfy the unmet needs from your parents is when you have a child because it's that vulnerable, really close dynamic again. So you like a lot of people really just project those and explicitly perpetuate the cycle. And until someone addresses it and breaks it, that's the only time that you can really move forward and make progress. And it's really interesting because I'm, I mean, I've put a lot of work into this and it's still quite difficult to admit like no like despite my parents claims no they they were not objectively good parents necessarily right i won't get into right. the details of my case now but yeah to even address that and admit it and then try and work through that is quite difficult and then there's also how does that impact the relationship with the parents in the present right and in the future mm-hmm. and so it's like such a such a touchy area and i mean until you it's really at the root of many psychological issues, and it's really the unknown foundation of most of most people's personalities. So to really think that there are standards of parenting and there is a right way to raise a child, the odds are they weren't raised that way. And it really kind of it really pulls the pillars out from someone's life. And I've yeah. not I've not really understood that in this context as to why parents are so opposed to this idea.
0: Yeah. Well, and to use an example, I often hear when I'm debating people about banking, let's say, uh, well, Oh, hold on. You just, you're, Oh, there you are. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay. So I was just saying, I often hear when I'm debating spanking with someone or something, well, I was spanked and I turned out just fine. Right. Right. Wow. How Did do you, you know you turned out yeah. just fine? How do you know you wouldn't have been better if you hadn't been spanked? This is unknown. Like you, you can't. How much say have that, you looked into that, it? right? Right. And 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 what it what they're telling right. me is that Uh, I I don't judge my parents for having spanked me. I don't judge them as being wrong for doing that. And they're also telling me that they're going to spank their child going forward. Right. And so this is what I mean by if you can't acknowledge where that's wrong, you're doomed to repeat the
1: same pattern going forward. And I also think that's just the very common thing of correlation doesn't indicate causation, even if they did turn out fine. Right. Like I'm, 10 years from now, I'll have deemed myself as turned out pretty good. But that's in spite of the way my parents treated me. Right. And for them to then point out and say, Oh, look, we must've raised him. Well, it's like, no, no, no. I fought very hard to undo your parenting. Right. right? Um, Yeah.
0: And, and it's also, because of them to some degree as well, because they did some things right. Obviously right, they kept obviously. you fed. They kept you alive. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, you're a good free thinking person. I mean, you know, so, so, th- it's what that makes it so complicated. Been, it's like, okay, yeah. they did some things right. They did some things wrong, you know? And so maybe to judge them as bad or good is the wrong thing, but to maybe separate the sin from the sinner at least and say, okay, these are the areas that right. they did wrong. And they're not willing to take moral responsibility for that. I can I can judge them for that. And I can have closure on that. And I can commit to not doing that myself or something. And that doesn't mean you have to necessarily cut off all ties with them or or say that they're evil people or something like that. It's just to acknowledge that they have severe shortcomings in this area. And I'm not going to let that happen to me or something like that.
1: Right. And I think this kind of hits at the issue of the lack of morality in the culture generally, because people don't know how to think about moral issues. Right. So if someone makes an error from a lack of knowledge, that's not morally wrong. It's only when they choose to do something wrong that it's morally wrong, right? Like if someone yeah. just doesn't know better and they couldn't have known better, then you don't blame them. And it's also just because someone does make one moral failing, that doesn't mean they're bad forever, right? And so it's not, yes. yeah, it isn't so simple as, you know, there's a lot of people who I think refuse to admit any moral failings because then they're a sinner. They're like, they're condemned writ large. And so, and it's much more complex than that. Right. And so to actually look at these issues, particularly in parenting, particularly for many parents who didn't have the tools to introspect and understand what they were doing or, you know, and I think it's easier now than it's ever been to try and think about being a good parent because 50 years ago, hundred years ago, or, and to some people even now, Being a parent is how do I make sure my kid doesn't starve, right? And that's the primary concern because that's tough for some people still. Um, And so you don't have time to read books and understand how to be the loving, tender, ideal parent, right? Um, But there's this fear of, yeah, it's like judge lest ye be judged or whatever, right? Like, oh, people are so (laughs) scared of judging each other and judging themselves. So then you can't make progress.
0: Yeah, and I mean I, I wish that as a parent I would have read more books on parenting and thought more deeply about parenting uh before I had kids. You know, they, they yeah. our our first born was born um was unexpected. You know, my wife was on birth control pills and you know, she forgot to take them. Um <laughs> you know, so and, and then he did all air of a sudden she's pregnant
1: podcast yeah listeners.
0: well that, that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other uh story uh that, yeah that, you know another time a life a life lesson life lesson kind of thing but yeah. um and i wish my parents would have taken some <laughs> read some books right and so mm. what happened with me is i was just an unconscious parent for the first probably uh five years five to six years of my kid's life where i just repeated the same patterns you know they were there were timeouts, there were threats of spanking and the occasional spanking. And then when I started thinking deeply about moral philosophy and realized that initiating force was wrong and I realized, Oh shit, I'm initiating force in my own family. Um, I, then it was okay. I had a standard and I had some principles, but here's where I'm going to make, have some sympathy and compassion for, for parents that are saying, um, you know, until you're in this, you don't know. And here's how you don't know. It's like, you can have all this, the theory and standards, but putting it into practice is another difficult. matter as well. Yeah. Right. It's difficult. And so for the first year I, I practiced my principle of non-aggression. I didn't see any changes or positive changes in my kids right. that I was hoping for. Like there was still some aggression between there's fighting and and bad behavior. So I had to keep, trying things and and reassessing and but but the difference was now I was looking in a mirror at my own patterns and how Mm. they contributed to this rather than just unconsciously parenting and I eventually figured out that I had to get down at their eye level I had to be really empathetic and understand the root of the problem here what and I was part of the environment that was creating that uh, problem and I had to adjust the way I was and and look at myself as more of an entrepreneur or a custodian where I need to do positive things. I can't, it's not mm-hmm. just enough for me to take force off the table. I right. now have to actually provide value for these kids. And what does that value look like? And uh, you know, the value I was providing for, most of us as parents, we, what we're doing is we're gaining compliance so that we feel better about ourselves. And we're not thinking necessarily about what's best for the kid we're thinking yeah. about what's kind of best for, for us. Like we need that, the, the screaming and fighting to stop because it's getting on my nerves. And um, I, need, and, I and, need a
1: kid to be a certain way because that validates right. me in certain ways, right? It, yes. That's part of who I am.
0: Yeah, and then, and then we do things like, you're going to do it because I said so. Like we don't give them a reason, right? Yeah. Because I'm the boss, right? And so we are setting oh, them up to non-starter. be dependent on an authority or else long to be an authority. You know, and so, so that, that creates, you know, uh, uh, you know, that, that creates statists, quite frankly, either people that blindly follow authority or people. And so, you know, myself now thinking about parenting, what I want my kids to be are free thinkers, self-actualized people that chart their own destiny Mm -hmm. and live life on their terms, uh, not on other people's terms and, you know, follow the, follow the crowd. I want them to think deeply about, about the direction of their life. Um And the way and, I was parenting in their early days was not setting them up for that kind of path. It was you know I wasn't being a very good custodian
1: yeah and I, I, I was
0: what I was doing was I was trying to get compliance rather than I wanted them to do good for goodness' sake, not for my sake, not for other people's sake, but right. for, um for goodness well, sake, for their own sake and that uh, it leads to good outcomes
1: we can't get too into it. we can't really dive into that now, but that 's kind of the intrinsic view of good right if if there is a good. If I force you to do it, that's good, right? Which it doesn't matter why you do it or if you choose to do it. Just there is a good. If I make you do it, that's good. But I think, again, this really, to me, concretizes the issue in the culture more broadly of not thinking philosophically. That, oh, I can just live my life. I don't have to think about why I'm living my life or what my aims are in life. And so people then try and do that with parenting as well. Just, you know, it'll work out for the best. And that's not true. You have to really think about what is the best. Why is that the best? Like with with respect to what? And I also think the the anti-philosophical mentality also makes people think there aren't principles, there are only rules, there are commandments, right? And so they think, oh, well, you know, I'll just try and play. These are the rules of how to be a good parent. And if I learn them, I'll just apply them. But no, it's much more complex. When you have actual principles, each situation is different. And you have to think which of these principles apply in this situation and how parenting every kid's not going to be the same. And you could have some really problematic kids still, right, that you have to really try and figure out how the principles apply. It's not so easy as like, here are the rules, you know, 10 steps to being a good parent. Or whatever, but it's the same. People just can't think in principles. They can't think properly about life generally. So then, when they're trying to do something that they probably, you know, most people do care deeply about being a good parent. To like many people want to try and be a good parent, but they they don't have the tools. They don't know how to think about it properly.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you see this all the time. You know, you go to the grocery store and some kids acting up and. Mom scolding him and jerking him around and making idle threats that she's not going to follow through with like we're going to leave this store right now and that sort of thing right and um you know i just feel bad for the kid i feel bad for both parties because a mom has never yeah thought about it or maybe never had the time to think about about how what she's doing is contributing to this she she can't see life through the child's eyes right now Uh, and understand it, you know, if if they thought about this a little bit more, what they might do is something like, okay, we're going to the grocery store now. Um, I want to make sure you're going to be okay be behave there because we're going out in public and you can explain all this. Can we make an agreement? Right. right. And w- what happens, what do you think should happen if, if right. you don't follow the agreement and I don't follow my part of the agreement, which is maybe you get a, a lollipop afterwards. Right. What do you think should happen? Right. And you have that conversation ahead of time. Then when the, the behavior starts, I, we, you, you remind them and like, you just start negotiating. Right. And that's and, a and very, that's,
1: very proactive approach that I've never right. even heard before like well so that's interesting that,
0: yeah and that's that is really uh to me parenting is like you need to build up that that trust right it's all the stuff you do before the behavior that leads to you being able to deal with that behavior Because then it it becomes, once you've done the work of building up that trust and and negotiating things, and it requires a lot of work, a lot of communication, because kids are needy. I mean, their survival literally depends on you. Like they will die without you. And so they have this attachment. And and if they start to get anxious or cry, like when babies are crying, it's because they think they're going to die, right? And they Mm -hmm. will die if they don't get mom's milk, uh, right? And so... That, that's ingrained in them. You don't get mad at the baby for crying. And that's the same with any kid. Act, I mean, you know? some people they're, do, they're, right? they're, they're Well, you shouldn't yeah. because that's a survival mechanism. And, and you yeah. know, our goal should be to make them secure that their survival needs will be met. And mm-hmm. why is it that you're so anxious right now that you think your survival needs won't be met? And so that's a very proactive thing. And anytime you notice anxiety, you're getting down at their eye level and you're talking things through and you're trying to determine once you've built that up, it's very easy to gain, um, like better, to persuade them to behave better, right? So we're in a store now. You get down at their eye level, you're like, okay, remember how we talked about this? And I found that that parenting became way easier once I was, I, I had built up that trust. It. Now, if you try that right out of the gate and drop down to their eye level, all this momentum of you constantly fighting with them and trying to gain compliance you can't just erase that overnight. So it requires a lot of work to build up that foundation of trust, but that yeah. preliminary work sets you up for a much better, you know, I wish I would have recognized this sooner. I would have started mm-hmm. right from day one and been like very attentive and very, you know, like eye level with them and put in a lot more work than simply carrots and sticks, carrots and sticks all the time, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this, this is kind of at the root of what I'm really interested in now for like personally is psychoepistemology, which is the interaction between the conscious and subconscious brain. And really what you're doing to a child at that young age is training their subconscious. And so the later you kind of start trying to be a good parent, let's say, um, the harder it is and you have to be patient and they, they're not going to switch their thinking right away. Right. It has to be automatized. Their, their brain has to change based on the new behaviors. Um, I think it's good to kind of tra- wrap up a bit. And so I will give my one parenting tip as a complete okay. non-parent, and then you <laughs> can give your one parenting tip. My one parenting tip is actually read the book, The Drama of the Gifted Child, hmm. right? It's been so, I've That's read it. That's by
0: Alice Miller, right? Alice Miller? I
1: think so, but I don't right. recall. Um, but it's really I've read it maybe three or four times. it's only just over a hundred pages, and each time it's really like almost been psychotherapeutic and brought to my mind things from my childhood to help me work through it's presented in a really neat way and it you know it it's convinced me of the argument that these things need to be dealt with otherwise you'll perpetuate them and so i I really would recommend people read it if and and I mean, it's tough as well, right? like to face some of these things, but if you really care about consciously parenting your child and and really knowing how to raise the best child, you have to understand the lessons to take and to not take from your own parents, which is really difficult, but this book, I think uh, really helps uh, with that, so that's my piece yeah. of parenting advice what's what's yours tim
0: no i i I think that's a great book, and you know I would couple that with. Lloyd DeMoss at psychohistory dot com. He's a calls himself a psychohistorian, and he basically goes through different parenting styles and like um, what cultures were like through the eyes of a child, going back through different mm. tribes and different. And even he goes through you know Nazi Germany and talks about the, the typical parenting style was corporal uh, um, corporal punishment for kids and hanging mm. babies up in bunting bags um, and letting them. J- cry there all day and like you know um, live uh, you know abortions where were considered you know you have the kid you bash their brains in and then that was basically just considered an abortion Um, like a childhood was very brutal in pre-nazi germany and and he points out a, a study of moral heroes in that time and right they they were raised under a very different parenting style right they were they weren't raised through corporal punishment they were raised through argumentation uh, or you know the parents would argue with them about whether the choices they were making were right so it was a debate and so you're respecting their autonomy right and those are the people that became moral heroes so because that comes to their
1: psycho epistemology of really what Right. how their brain understands the world is based on how their parents raise them unless they retrain it later, but sorry to interrupt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, this just all goes to show how important parenting is and how important it is to think about parenting and think about these things. So, uh, so I check that out and, and then, you know, the, my, my only real word of advice is to, uh, look in a mirror before you look at your child. You know, if you're seeing problematic behavior with your child, try to think first all the ways that you might be contributing to that behavior and adjust those before you expect your child to comply. You comply with your own standard of what your parenting should be by looking in a mirror before you, you bring down the hammer on your child.
1: I agree. Thanks, Tim.
0: Thank you.